Good morning and welcome to Greyfriars. It's great to be with you as we begin this new series today called Honest to God, looking at prayer. And we're going to spend the next eight weeks, the months of June and July, looking at different prayers in the Bible and growing in the ways that we are honest to God, whether we are feeling thankful or whether we are grieving, whether we are questioning, whether we're doubting, whether we're repenting, or whether we're joyful. Prayer is the heartbeat of our faith, and it is one of the main ways in which we grow in intimacy with God. And that's what I want to speak about this morning, what it means to grow in intimacy with God through prayer. Before I was a vicar, I spent 15 years in business, and all of those years were spent working in the telecom sector. And so we knew something about what it means to keep people connected and to help people communicate, whether that's between families or friends or businesses, whether it's in this country or between nations. And those of you who are old enough might remember the BT advert with Bob Hoskins when he said, it's good to talk. And I was thinking about that recently because we have begun to understand the importance of communicating now more than ever. Having spent 11 weeks in lockdown, we value and appreciate and cherish what it means to be able to communicate, whether that's through Zoom or like this or on the telephone, however we can. In fact, our children were saying recently how they are longing to be with their grandparents, to give them a cuddle. You know, it's good to phone and speak to them on Zoom and Skype. But it is not the same as being together physically, close to one another. We crave intimacy. In fact, we were created for intimacy with one another but also with God. And the way that we grow in intimacy with God is through prayer. We're all getting better, trying to get better at praying. There's times when we pray regularly, there's times when we struggle to pray, there's times when we forget to pray, there are times when we are driven to prayer. Tear Fund carried out a survey recently and found that nearly half of the nation are praying at the moment. And of those who are praying, over half of them would say that prayer changes the world. And that is true, isn't it? Google also found that there's been a huge increase of those who are searching using the word prayer. In fact, the number of searches has doubled during the crisis. And so there's this growing sense of people wanting to speak to God, to hear from God, to cry out to someone who is beyond themselves. Even at Greyfriars, we've found that during lockdown, during our Kingdom Come prayer evenings, there are more people praying now than there were before, praying together. And so if you want to exercise your prayer muscles during these eight weeks as we go through this series together, the best way to do it is to pray. So join us on Tuesday, 8pm, 
as we pray together. Now this series that we're going to look at is not just about praying during crisis, it's about praying at all times and how we can grow in our prayer life. Communicating with God grows our relationship with him. In fact, it's true of every relationship. It's very hard to grow in love with someone if you're not communicating with them. Sometimes people will say, well, I just don't feel close to God at the moment. And I'll often ask, well, are you praying? Because if we're not speaking to God, if we're not listening to God, then it is very hard to feel close to God. Now, there's a number of ways in the New, or a number of times in the New Testament that we see Jesus getting away from the crowd. He goes up mountains to pray. But there's very few occasions when we actually hear him praying or speak about prayer. And this passage in Matthew 6 is one of those few occasions. These words were given by Jesus to his disciples on a hillside overlooking Lake Galilee. And it's interesting to look what comes just before this prayer and what comes just after it. So just before we read Jesus's words on giving. And he's really trying to, through all of these words, test our love for God. So as he speaks about giving, he's testing how much do we love God versus money. And then after prayer, he speaks about fasting. And again, he's testing our love. How much do we love God more than we love food? All of this is along with prayer, questioning who and what is the most important thing in our lives. Because prayer ultimately is a test of our dependence, our trust, our love for God. If you and I don't trust God, we're very unlikely to pray or praise him. If you and I think that actually we can provide for ourselves, then we're unlikely to turn to God and ask him for help. And if we don't love God, then we're not going to naturally turn to him and call out to him to listen to him. Jesus says here in this passage, don't play with prayer. Don't pray if your heart is not in the right place. Don't be like the hypocrites who babble on and just try and impress others with prayer. And don't tell God what he already knows. Jesus tells us that prayer is about submission to the Father. And so the first two words of the Lord's Prayer tell us so much. Our Father. The word that would be used in the original language, of course, was Abba. The word used by a small child to speak to their father whom they love. And so it's with this posture that we come before God as his sons and his daughters. That is who you are as we pray to him. And with this one word, Abba, we actually hear the whole gospel. That through Jesus, you and I have been reconciled with God. That we are his sons and his daughters. 
and we come before a father who loves us, a father who we can ask for help from, and a father who longs to hear your voice, to remind you of his promises. God loves you. God loves you. He is your father. If we don't understand this call to intimacy, then actually prayer just becomes a chore. It becomes something that we feel continually guilty about because we're not doing enough of it. But in the Lord's Prayer, we learn how to pray briefly and simply. And so what we see in the Lord's Prayer is that it begins not with asking for those things that we need, but it begins with worship and awe. Hallowed be your name. It's not about asking first for our needs, but for praising God and then for asking for his will to be done, for him to fulfil his purposes here on earth before we get to our needs. And as we do pray for ourselves, we see in the Lord's Prayer that actually it's simple. We pray, give us our daily bread. I think for all of us, there are, particularly at the moment, there are ways in which we want to try and control things around us because we have no control at all. We want to be in charge. We want to know what's happening tomorrow. It's, of course, the question that's being asked at the moment. What, what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month? When will we get back to church? When can we go back to work? When can we see our relatives again? But Jesus teaches us to pray not for our weekly bread or our monthly bread, but to pray for our daily bread for today. Jesus goes on later in the Sermon on the Mount to say, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. This is all about trust and intimacy with our Father, that we look to him for our needs for today, and we trust tomorrow and beyond to him. We are to focus on God's provision for us today. Desmond Tutu is a remarkable man, an archbishop, a member of clergy. He is a man who has done so much during the apartheid years in South Africa to seek justice. He's an author and he's a deep spiritual man of prayer. And I had the privilege of hearing him preach at a church in London a few years ago. And it was one of those churches where the pulpit was very high and it almost was like a ladder that went up to it. And at the time, Desmond Tutu was 80. And somebody offered to help him up into the pulpit. But he's quite a determined man and so he insisted, no, he would go up himself. And the whole church, which was packed, 
held its breath watching this elderly man crawl up this ladder, clinging on. I mean, it fell silent, the church. When he got to the top of the pulpit, to the platform, he was on his knees and he held on to the pulpit itself and he hauled himself up and we were all wide-eyed watching and he pulled himself up to the microphone and we waited for him to speak and he said, I have made it and the whole church erupted in applause and praise it was an amazing moment. Desmond Tutu was the man who oversaw the Truth and Reconciliation Committee in South Africa during a time of horrific racial abuse, injustice. And Desmond Tutu was the man who said there is no future without forgiveness. Forgiveness is our greatest need. And so it's no surprise that at the heart of the Lord's Prayer are these words for forgiveness. But Jesus is clear, if you look at verse 14, that we cannot be forgiven unless we have first forgiven others. Unforgiveness blocks what God longs to give you and me through Christ on the cross. Forgiveness, cleansing, restoration. But unforgiveness between us and others stops us from receiving that. And yet forgiveness cleans us. It purifies us. It refreshes us. It restores us. It renews us. And it also allows that forgiveness to come to us from God. And so who is it that you and I need to forgive today? In order that we can receive that forgiveness from God. This prayer of forgiveness is followed by a prayer of protection and deliverance. Guard us against temptation. Deliver us from evil. Jesus said, in this world you will face trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Those of you who were at our carol services at Christmas, remember I was speaking on those very words. In this world you will face trouble, but take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world. There is temptation, there is evil in this world. And we need to pray into this for God's kingdom, his power, his glory to come in greater and greater measure. Of course, all of us will have been watching over the last two weeks what's going on in America as a result of the death of George Floyd. And we need to pray for justice. We need to speak out for justice to pray for mercy, to pray for forgiveness, to pray for God's kingdom to come. And we know that in his kingdom, all people are equal. In God's kingdom, all people are equally loved and 
viewed the same by God. So there is no place for racism. And as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done in America. Lord, bring about your justice. Bring unity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I was reminded as I was looking at my bookshelf this week of this amazing book. God has a dream by Desmond Tutu. God has a dream. We see it in the book of Revelation at the end of scripture that all people come together, all people bow before God, before Jesus. We are one, created by God, seen equally by him. And so we are to, in part, fulfil that dream here on earth as God's ambassadors bringing about justice and peace in the name of Jesus. These 57 Greek words that Jesus teaches us to pray are life-changing. They are world-changing. And they give us a framework to pray each day in our lives. They remind us of who we are. We are children of God. You are God's son or daughter. That is who you are. Desmond Tutu said that it was prayer that sustains him. It is prayer that is the fuel on his fire in his life. And these words remind us in the Lord's Prayer who God is. God is our Father. He is the one who provides for us. He is the one who loves us. He is the one who longs to hear from us. And he is the one who wants to protect us from evil, guard us against temptation. He's the one who has good plans for you and for me to grow his kingdom and to see his will fulfilled here on earth as it is in heaven. But this prayer is not just words, it is power. It was Spurgeon who said this, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. I love that saying. It is as you and I come before God, yes, feeling weak and insignificant sometimes and unsure and just with a little bit of faith, enough faith to pray, that as we come before God, this little slender nerve called prayer moves mountains. The omnipotence, the power, the might, the majesty, the glory of God is moved into action as we pray together. And some of this, some of our prayers, our answers to prayer, we perceive, we see, we understand, but much of it we don't. But we're not called to understand it all. We're not called to see and perceive it all. We are called to trust to grow closer in intimacy with God. To know that he is our father, we are his children, and he loves to hear us call out to him. One of my many hopes is that we will grow in prayer during this time, over these next eight weeks, 
as we call out to God together, as we pray for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, as we grow in intimacy with him. Because growing in intimacy is, in fact, part of his will for you and for me.